What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 75th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchand. Delusions. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm vengeance. Um, what's Pick up, buddy? Pick your favorite Robert Pattinson catchphrase from a recently released trailer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How I'm you good. Doing? How are you? I'm I'm good, man. We talked about before this. I'm a little tired, but we both have our um our late afternoon, early evening iced coffee. So I'm sure we'll be both be up till like three thirty in the morning now. But um, I'm feeling better now. I was feeling a little tired. Um, not gonna lie, uh, it's been a busy, a fucking really really busy last you know four or five weeks or so. A very fulfilling last four or five weeks, but. Um, I felt like I haven't really had a chance to, you know, relax, um, for a while. So, um, I'm starting to finally, I think feel like it's winding down a bit, but then TIFF is also in like, you know, less than three weeks and we still don't entirely know what those plans are. And, uh, we're heading back to theaters this week. We'll talk about that later on the show. Are we hypocrites? You guys decide. Uh, no, we're, we're so playing it on. safe. Like we, we're, know, we're even know, still monitoring what's going on in in the durham region you know but i wanted to but but i mean yeah like you have been non-stop this month i mean you have literally moved and you know uh as we're recording this like you just finally you know said goodbye to the condo in in you know queen street west and and it's one of those things where it's like you're now it feels like now you are finally settled right and like you have some time to yourself to just you know breathe and not have to worry about going somewhere and going back and forth and taking the go train and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, luckily I only had to take the train, um, you know, the one time or so, um, during this whole thing. Cause it's something that I don't really want to be doing <laughs> during this. And I, obviously I made a joke about us going back to theaters and we'll talk about that in a sec, but, um, yeah, man, it, yeah, I've just, it, it was sad yesterday. I, I, for anyone, I mean, if you're a fan of the show and maybe you're new to the show because you might have seen me on last week's episode of Screencast on Kind of Funny. Welcome. Thank you. This is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each week, Eric and I get together, uh, shoot the shit, talk about the entertainment industry, what we've been watching, what new trailers, um, all of that jazz. We usually go on for way too long. I hope you guys enjoy it. So thanks for uh, coming along this ride and and supporting me on, on Screencast. And we'll talk about that in a sec, too. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was bittersweet yesterday. Um, yeah, I moved from my downtown condo in Toronto um, to back to the Durham region, um, back to the suburbs and wanted more space. And, you know, last week's episode, I talked about the big move and my TV and things like that. And then, yeah, yesterday um, we finally picked up the last few things, gave our keys to our old landlord Um Barely recognized him because every time I met him before, um, the, one of the best landlords I'll ever have because he ne- he just left us alone and, and kind of trusted us and I just paid him every month and he was there if I needed him and left me alone otherwise. Um, but he was um, uh, he had this giant beard and he was wearing like jean shorts and flip flops and a sriracha t-shirt. And every time I met him before that, he was like clean shaven in a suit and stuff because he's like a, a businessman that works downtown Toronto. So like I got out of my car and I'm like, who is this guy coming up to me right now? And this giant beard and this bolo hat or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's uh, one of the it's one of the effects hat, of like, COVID, right? Like people have that, that yeah. maybe, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining there, there at least people, you know, have become a little bit more comfortable in themselves to let their hair oh, totally. grow down. He and seemed like, like he was that. thriving. Yeah. 
But anyways, it was sad. It was um, my parents moved this week from my childhood home. So um, they move on on this upcoming Thursday. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of change. Um, and I mean, this this year has been, you know, feels like 10 years in one, obviously. But um, yeah, it's been a wild, uh, a wild time, man. And then on top of that, we launched a new show, Untitled Movie Conversations. I would really love if you guys go check out those first two Speaking episodes. Speaking of going back to the movies. Uh, yeah, our first episode was with Peter Koplowski, the um, uh, programmer for Midnight Madness at the Toronto International Film Festival. And our most recent uh, episode, our second episode, was with uh, Sarah Van Lang, who is the executive director of Community social media and communications at Cineplex Entertainment. I think I got that right. Um, and we had a nice hour-long discussion about theaters reopening and, and, and things like that. So um, Eric and I launched that show. Like I mentioned, I was on Kind of Funny Screencast last week, which is uh, was kind of a, a dream come true because those are uh, kind of funny. You guys have probably heard me talk about on on the show of their in-review series and, and their screencast show. And I just, uh, you know, my favorite podcasters really that I listen to all the time. So achieving that was, I feel like, a big thing um, last week and a, a really, really cool opportunity. So shout out to, you know, Nick and Joey um, and Barrett, who was producing and um, everyone uh, at, at their team and for giving me a shot. And I thought that was one of the coolest things I've done lately. And, um, and then, yeah. And then we've been reviewing tons of stuff too. We got, uh, reviews up for, um, American pickle, uh, she dies tomorrow unhinged. Uh, what else do we have up? There's something else too. Oh, the one and only Ivan we just put up. So tons of reviews over on untitled movie reviews as well. And we'll be bringing so, you some um, really special reviews in, in the next week or so, uh, uh, as, as we're recording this now. Yeah. Do you want to reveal? What oh, I mean, we've are, already like, we already talked about it a little bit of being hypocritical, but Matt and I are going to make a trip back to the cinemas uh, this week. Not once, but twice. Uh, I believe the day that your parents are moving, you will be seeing the New Mutants yeah, <laughs> priorities. Fuck my childhood home. So who needs that? Um, no, yeah, we. Um, and I think this is something to talk about because um, I posted today and I, I wanted to be very honest with people too, because I have been very vocal about, you know, thinking it was maybe too early to reopen cinemas or have a 50 person cap and, and all this stuff. And th that's one reason why Sarah came on Untitled Movie Conversations is because she really wanted to talk to us about you know, theaters reopening and what Cineplex was doing for that, um, to keep everyone safe and, and things like that. And, um, yeah, Eric and I have been pretty vocal about being like, we don't think it's, you know, right to go back, but I mean, I think things rapidly change and it, uh, to, I'm not defending myself, but like, uh, me and Eric had a, you know, an honest conversation offline and we were like, well, we, we do want to review tenant and new mutants. And, um, and, uh, how should we go about doing that? And there was a, uh, not a brief, but a pretty lengthy conversation about renting a private theater for tenant. And we almost did that. Um, which was still very much a possibility because we thought that was maybe one of the safest ways to, you know, see the movie, not practical for everyone. Cause, and then some inside baseball stuff, restrictions from Warner brothers and, and other people put, you know, caps and, and minimums on those screenings. So, it, financially it didn't really make sense with the amount of people we had um 
And then we were like, okay, let's look at the cases that are in Durham region. And if you look, there's lots of stats. If you guys go online, there's lots of COVID trackers from the Canadian government and and hopefully your government from wherever you live. And you can do a little bit of research and digging on, and you can get very, you know, uh, into the nitty gritty and, and, and localization of it all. So you can find out how many cases are in your well, region. Why local how many matters, right? Like that. I mean, that's the joke yeah. of like, uh, you know, Rogers TV, but like when you're looking at Ontario being in phase three, it does, doesn't mean that all of Ontario is, you know, safe or unsafe. You have to look at the pockets in sort of the smaller communities, the towns, the townships, and sort of, you know, as you mentioned, look on apps, look uh, to news reports and kind of make those assessments and decisions based on that. And, you know, you have done so with 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 Durham Region and, and we're still keeping an eye on things because they do change. You know, it's, it's always in flux, right? So you have to kind of make sure that, you know, what happens today in terms of stats isn't the same as tomorrow. And those things are always important to, to keep in mind. Yeah. And our situation is going to be different from your situation, unless you live literally in the same era, area as but Eric Don't come and I. to Durham region, um, please. Like, just like stay in your area <laughs> for now. Like, don't, don't, not that we, we don't um, want people to come to Durham at some point, but like, don't, they, you know, we're not trying to say like, oh, Durham is a safe haven. So please, you know, come to no, Durham no, no. region. Yeah. Everyone should be staying in their own areas and, and things. I, I agree with that. Um, but Yeah, I looked at the cases and on average, we're getting between zero and four in all of Durham region. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Durham region is part of the greater Toronto area. Um, And it, uh, it, there is like, you know, a bunch of different cities that are in Durham region, uh, Whitby and Oshawa being two of those cities. Um, So then if you get even more granular into the cases that are in Whitby and the cases that are in Oshawa, um, they're even less. So you got to think zero to four is with the entire region. Whippy had, I think, you know, f- uh, a couple cases in the last week or month. Um, Oshawa had barely any. Um, and just we made a decision going, okay, you know what? Uh, we'll be safe. We'll keep our distance from people. Hopefully everyone going there will be doing the same. Uh, masks are mandatory here, which is something that was a big uh, you know, thing for me and you, Eric, we, um, that was one of the things we wanted to make sure was a mandatory thing. And, and, you know, the government stepped in and local governments and things like that and made masks mandatory for any indoor space. Um, there are concessions open. I don't know if we'll partake in that. I don't think you will. I don't think I will either. Um, maybe get a beverage or something like that because it's a long ass movie, but and I can lift my mask up quickly to have a sip of uh, a drink. Maybe I don't even know if I want to do that. Um, and then just, I'm going to keep my mask on the whole entire time and, uh, and stay in my seat and the way that we're going to landmark cinemas, uh, in Whippy and, uh, everything I've seen online from them and the way that their seats are spread out and, um, and things like that. It looks like, you know, every other row is empty. Um, we're in a big, big IMAX theater and, um, and it's only a 50, uh, 50 person cap on it. And it looks like the seats are pretty spread out. So, I mean, it's, it's still weird. Um, and it's still, I don't know if I'm totally comfortable, but I do miss going to the movies. I do feel okay with the cases we've had. I've downloaded that, 
uh, Canada COVID tracker, which I think all of you should do if you have, you know, um, I think it's both on Android and iPhone. And um, it's an app that, you know, uh, pings other phones around you when you walk by people based on your vicinity to them. Um, it doesn't track you. It doesn't store your information or anything like that. It's a low level ping on other phones just to know who you've been by. And then if someone you've been around gets COVID and inputs it into the app, it will notify you if you were within, you know, six feet of that person so you can go get a test or things like that. So it just helps with this. Like if everyone's doing these things and, you know, socially distance and wears a mask and if the cases are this low, I feel pretty okay about going to a movie. Um, do I want to go to the movies all the time right now? Uh, like we used to No. Uh, so there'll be special cases. I think with big movies like tenant and the new mutants, which, Oh my God, I can't believe it's coming out. Um, this is a, this is a Christmas miracle. Will, that will make an exception for, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's my explanation on it. And I think, We'll see how it goes. I would have maybe liked to go one other time to one of these maybe smaller movies just to kind of scope the situation out maybe. But, you know, it's coming up to the, I mean, it's like two days from now that we're going. So um, we will have reviews up for both of those movies and um, we'll play it, you know, case by case um, when it comes to what movies are, are coming in theaters. We are very lucky that, you know, we um, we live in uh, – uh, in Canada who has handled this, you know, not perfectly, but pretty well. Um, and I think that's, uh, showing why Warner brothers is releasing tenant here early with some of the other countries that are also doing well and, um, and new mutants and things like that. So, um, that's my explanation, Eric. I don't know if you have any other no, thoughts. About I, I think everything that you have said is, is important to reiterate. I mean, you know, taking the proper precautions is the most important thing and, I, while I am a little bit nervous, because there's always a risk factor, no matter what you do and no matter what, you know, as, as I mentioned, precautions you take, you have to realize that there is still a potential risk involved when going into a building, especially for a film that's supposed to be, what, two and a half hours long or, or three hours and two and a two half, and a half yeah. hours long so you know like they're they're always going to be there but at least you can be smart about it and understand that okay you know take these necessary steps to to you know educate yourself but also reassure yourself so when you're watching the movie you're not maybe always thinking to yourself that oh am i going to catch this because that's the one thing that i don't want to have while watching the movie is that i'm gonna have a certain amount of anxiety no matter what because it's the first time i'm going in like this is the first time i'm going into a building six months yeah, in six yeah. months and 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 there is a bit of an excitement to it as well because like you know seeing a movie again is 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 a, is a big deal but you have to also just be wary that you know this is a decision you're making and you cannot blame anybody else uh for you know the consequences if there are any you you have to be completely aware of what's going on and the best way to do that is through you know news the apps um and and just you know making the call yourself to whether or not if if it's worth it we want to do it because we feel it is safe enough um but again if things change in the next couple of days even where you know a uh, 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 an outbreak an happens outbreak we happens. we will make 
the call to cancel it. You know, we we want to see the movie, but at the same time, we don't want to put our lives on the line for any film. And that's what is really important right now. And 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 I hope that anybody that has the opportunity to see Tenant in in you know this coming week or the weeks ahead also makes those smart choices and those decisions that are important for your health and safety first and foremost. Agreed. So Eric, um, what have you been watching in the last week or so at home? Matt, I have been hunkering down on documentaries. Um, I am a member of the Critics' Choice Group, and we also have a subsection of awards um, every year now. Uh, it was announced a couple years ago that we were separating documentaries from uh, the rest of the narrative nomination. So huh, documentaries aren't real films, I guess. Um but yeah, <laughs> My old so joke. I'm 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 a member on this committee this year, um, and part of the process is going through you know documentaries in eligible categories and submissions. So I have been kind of having a little bit of a cram session. I'm I'm only sort of you know one fifth of the way through, but um, I've been binging on or at least starting with a lot of. Netflix stuff and stuff that I had missed from January up until April. That's kind of like my first sort of subsection and, and pocket that I'm kind of going through. And, and I've been also kind of watching a couple other things that are outside of the Netflix uh, realm. So just to quickly go through, I watched the uh, Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, uh, which is about Taylor Swift in, you know, finding her political voice, but also sort of being comfortable in her own skin as both uh you know, a, a figure in pop culture, but just as a person in general and, you know, not listening to, um, you know, what the fans say negatively in, in sort of her talking very candidly about, you know, dealing with uh, diet issues and anorexia and sort of talking about her being very politically motivated to support the Democratic uh, governor who lost in the Tennessee uh, riding during the midterms uh, a couple years ago, but also how now she wants to be more vocal when it comes to supporting, uh, you know, rights like uh, like gay rights issues and, you know, um, issues that are sort of anti-Republican, but more so anti-American because she feels, you know, the Trump administration is reflecting the worst part of, of, you know, uh, America. So I thought that was actually, it was, it was better than just kind of like your typical fluff piece. And I thought that like, she was very endearing and smart. I mean, I don't really know too much about her outside of, uh, you know, her award worthy performance in cats, but she really does come off as somebody that is, conscientious about who she is as a person and as a performer and the idea that you know she was somebody that wanted to please the audience first and foremost and how like that Kanye West incident specifically was the beginning of her sort of finding self-doubt and that she felt like she was the one that you know caused the problem not him and I thought that was really um, a fascinating uh, watch and her love of burritos is is it's just nice. It's it's nice to know that she's a fan of burritos. Uh, but it is good. It's it's Dude, not a. I had a, it's not a great movie, but it's. I fun. had a butter chicken burrito from Bollywood Tacos here in Oshawa, and it was fucking fantastic. So I just want to shout them. Yeah, out. a butter butter chicken burrito with like saffron rice and some like uh, pickled 
uh, chilies and oh god, and uh, mint chutney. It was fantastic. Yeah, so, you were telling yes, me about also- that before, and it sounds amazing. Um, and it was real good. And the burrito in in the film looks great. It's also directed by Lana Wilson, who directed After Tiller, which I've I've recommended before, and you can tell that. Taylor is very comfortable with Lana and like the way that they have conversations, especially near the end, you know, she's very open and honest to, you know, what she wants to do in the future. And this could have just been kind of like a PR thing for her next album. And the, the other thing I kind of appreciated about Taylor Swift is that she is very prolific. She just keeps writing and writing and writing and releasing albums and, and, and one after another, because I didn't realize that like, you know, between like they talk about like reputation and, and it's before folklore, but how much she writes. As you were talking about this, uh, a tweet popped up in in my feed that um, I'll show it to you on the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, have you have you seen this? Yeah, no, I saw um, that earlier today. Yeah, this this North Korean dictator Kim Jong because he's in a coma and that's what he's listening to. In a coma, according reports by TMZ, the news comes as the first anniversary of Taylor Swift's seventh studio album, Lover. <laughs> I'm like, what? What is this? What a weird, what a anyway. weird juxtaposition. But yeah, it's 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 good, and it played at Sundance. And and if you're a fan of sort of behind the scenes sort of documentaries, is it on Netflix? Yeah, it's a, it's a Netflix film, and it was released back in I think late January, early February, and it was just one I kind of put off to the side because I was kind of like, oh, this. I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm still not like a huge Swifty, Swifty, but I appreciated what she was talking about and like what she puts into the music and. And what the movie itself was about, where the one of the other documentaries I watched, which was called Becoming, which is produced by uh, or executive produced by Michelle Obama and Barack Obama and, and through their company Higher Ground, is a kind of fluff sort of piece or, or, or sort of selling um, Michelle Obama's um, book Becoming, which is based on like her tour through the Americas a couple years ago in the before times. And I think the biggest takeaway I had from that documentary is that there's a lot of handshaking and, you know, close contact with strangers. And I'm just like, this is like a fantasy now, like a fantasy movie. Yeah. Like this, this, this will not happen anymore. And I wonder what those kind of tours will be like in the future. Will they all be kind of online or sort of, you know, shot on a stage and then televised uh, later on, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know. I, it depends. I, I don't necessarily see, I, I agree with you that maybe the, um, handshaking thousands of people's hands during a tour or something like that. But I don't think like those kind of greetings will go away. I don't know if that was the point that you're. Yeah, well, no, yeah. I mean, I was kind of making that point just in the sense that like I was hyper aware of it while watching it, especially like there's this. I, I don't doubt there's it. There's a yeah. scene where where she's in like a Barnes and Noble, and you know you have just shaking hands. With yeah, everyone. and you have like you know people breaking down and crying, and she is a very likable and interesting personality, and like I I get why people are so excited to see her but at the same time i'm like yeah this is never going to happen because you have like some people who are crying into their hands and then like shaking her hand and she's so kind with everybody and gives everybody their moment and makes them feel like they're the only person in the room but again I, i didn't feel that i really got a lot of like you know who michelle obama was you know post you know obama administration and 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 sort of what her thoughts were on trump like it just kind of felt like a fluff piece to sell her book for the most part it wasn't badly made or anything it just didn't give you really any insight she does play the the peanuts theme on her uh mother's piano which is cool but yeah it's it, sweet if, if you're like just 
kind of a completist for everything about the Obamas, I would say, yeah, check it out. Or if you're just curious about like what a book tour is like, and I felt like it could have taken more advantage of the people that were interviewing her because they do make cuts to like similar questions that people like, you know, uh, Reese Witherspoon and, and Stephen Colbert are, are, are making, but they never get any deeper than, than that. So it's, it's, it's very much a kind of easy watch, but not one that's, um, too deep in any way. Um, Disclosure is a, is another Netflix doc I, I watched, which I thought was really well done. I hate using the term, you know, when it comes to documentaries as sort of an educational tool, but this is in a good way. It sort of looks at the history of trans culture through uh, film and television and sort of goes through um, everything from the beginning of early cinema with, you know, D.W. Uh, uh, Griffin to uh, Griffith to um, today. And it sort of looks at the ins and outs of what um, representation means and inclusion means and sort of um, the sort of transphobia and and sort of mean-spirited humor towards uh, trans culture. La- uh, Laverne Cox is an executive producer. She's also one of the people that uh, talks in the film. And it is actually a really well-done sort of documentary. Not, nothing sort of flashy in terms of the filmmaking. It's mostly talking heads and archival footage yeah. of movies. But it gives you a sense of how only more recently does it feel like people are becoming more progressive or at least sort of thoughtful in what how they're portraying um, trans men and women and masculinity and femininity in film and television. And even the stuff that was kind of progressive for the time, like they go into – things like Paris is burning and, you know, before that, the queen in the 1960s and sort of say like these, these were important, you know, monuments and and films for the time and how like, you know, RuPaul's drag race has kind of brought a kind of a popular sort of angle to a subculture, but at the same time, it looks at like what it's doing wrong. So it's, it's critical of not just, you know, the people that didn't get it right or didn't care to begin with, but also the people that were trying to do the right thing. So I, I really do feel that this is one uh, documentary people should definitely check out and, and, and give a shot. It's it's really uh, uh, worth uh, your time and, 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 and energy. And again, it was a great education for me who knew um, very little. I knew some of the movies, obviously, but the importance and impact that they had, you know, um, sort of towards trans culture, but also the idea of, um, you know, violence towards trans culture and how horrible it, it still even is. Like, you know, just because it's becoming, you know, something that's more aware in the media and in and, and, and our culture in general, it's still something that is, you know, a um, issue to talk about, especially with the safety and well-being of those who are threatened in a day-to-day life. And it looks at marginalization and how, you know, a lot of people in, in situations aren't, you know, trans people in situations are not able to get, uh, you know, jobs and are forced into sex work and things like that. And, and it is very much an eye opening, uh, experience. So, um, Again, uh, this is something I would highly recommend. Um, Crip Camp, which I thought was uh, really fantastic as well, which is another movie that sort of looks um, specifically 
at people with disabilities in the 1960s and 70s and how the progression of uh, a bill uh, uh, 504 was brought into place and how those that went to this camp, Camp Jened, in <clears throat> the late 1960s into the early 70s became you know, activists for this bill and to hold the people uh, and the government responsible for not only keeping the bill going, but providing the funding to, you know, have, uh, you know, wheelchair accessible ramps and things like that. And, you know, places like New York, which in the 1960s and 70s, you think New York is one of the most sort of progressive and leading places to implement those kind of things where it wasn't then, or even San Francisco and how this, you know, sit in in the 1970s was so fundamentally important. And one activist specifically, um, uh, Judy Human uh, is is such an important figure, but it's also a great hangout movie. It's it's a great sort of you know look back at the 1960s and 70s through the prism of those with with physical disabilities and sort of seeing them as kids at this camp and finally getting a place for you know them to just be kids, you know, and 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 the counselors not being judgmental and and sort of trying to figure out. Um, you know how to how to approach a situation because they had never you know dealt with that before as well and um, you know there's a fun bit in, in the film where uh, there's an outbreak of crabs because you know a lot of the the kids are having sex for the first time and, nice. and things like that and it, it's it was just a feel good movie but it also works as a um, really thoughtful and interesting historical uh, document and and again it's another movie I would highly recommend but my favorite I think my favorite film of 2020. I just watched uh, the other day, Whoa. which is Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, uh, the uh, Ross Brothers' uh, latest films. They directed uh, Contemporary Color and uh, Chopatulis and and things like that. Um, this is a basically a fly on the wall hangout movie set in a uh, dive bar called the Roaring Twenties uh, in Las Vegas on the last day before the bar closes, and it's a bunch of you know drunkards and sort of uh, misfits who are have have only really this place to go, and this film is so far from what I would describe as a documentary. It feels it has that flavor of like a Hal Ashby, um, Robert Altman film from the 1970s where you're again, hanging out with these people and spending moments. And there are so many great uh, little sort of insightful um, philosophical bits within sort of this subculture of characters who mostly would kind of be looked upon as, you know, people that you would judge just based on, you know, their appearance. There's one uh, guy, uh, he's an, he's an actor or, or at least a part-time actor. Uh, his, his name is Michael and he is, you know, late fifties. And he talks about like how he is kind of a functioning, they're all functioning alcoholics for the most part, but like a functioning alcoholic who ruined his life after failing in general. He's not like this, uh, you know, a uh, cliched alcoholic who ruined his life. And he has this sense of humor, but he's also very self-deprecating because he talks about how old he looks, even though he's in his late fifties and that, you know, somebody makes a joke about him being, you know, uh, making Keith, Keith Richards look good. Um, and then there yeah. are people like, there's this one guy who looks like Albert Einstein. And then you have this, you know, Vietnam vet who is clearly suffering from PTSD, but also this is a place Place where he can go to find some sort of sanctuary and, and therapeutic kind of release. Um, the film is never judgmental. It doesn't feel like it's taking advantage of anybody. It's just kind of 
following these people. There's a great musical moment where um, one of the bartenders starts playing Roy Orbison's crying. And before he leaves, because uh, his shift is over, it's it's this is the kind of movie I live for. Like this is, this is the film to me that is to beat. I recommend it to anybody. It's an independently uh, released film. And I think the reason for that, because I I feel like any sort of smaller studio, like an A24 would have picked this up. But the reason why is because the music is filled with all these hit songs. And I don't think any studio could have picked it up. That's why they're releasing it independently. There are two Michael Jackson songs in this and with Michael Jackson, so they just didn't pay for any. Of the no, music exactly. That's why they're releasing yeah. it independently. Um, it is going to be available on iTunes uh, at the beginning of September, I believe September the 4th, but you can also rent it virtually through the Ross brothers department of entertainment website. Um, this is uh, truly like they are great. Film. Cool. I, I want to watch you, it. You yeah. will love it. Oh, that's the other thing. Title cards. So the the, the, the oh, film yeah. begins like an, again, like a 1970s movie where you have the title pop up and then throughout the day, cause it's, it's, it's also a slice of life, you know, a life in the day kind of movie. You have these title yeah. cards come up with sayings and quotes that characters say in the film that kind of divide the day, you know, overall you start in the early hours of the morning as the bar is opening and, you know, people are kind of getting ready and you have a couple stragglers from the night before that are still there and sh- shaving and getting ready and hanging out in the bar and they're watching daytime TV and game show reruns like Jeopardy and uh, The Price is Right. And you have like a scene where the bar that one bartender is like trying to guess like what the 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 answer is to a question about religious on uh, religion on jeopardy and and he's like alex trebek you smug son of a bitch and it's just those little moments that work really well so um if you're a fan of sort of cinema verite and again just hangout movies like i would say i i mentioned you know hal ashby and um Robert Altman. It also like if if you're looking for a more modern comparison, I would say this also feels very much like a Richard Linklater movie, uh, like in a dazed and confused kind of way, or you know you're just hanging out with these characters for the day and you find so much empathy with people that you would otherwise not have. Um, I've been talking a lot, so I want to pass it over to you now, Matt. No, no, no. I, I just I have a funny comparison because what you describing this reminded me of a Nathan for you episode. Where Eric, are you familiar with Nathan? Yeah, I've seen I've seen the first season and a half, and I still haven't seen the last bit. And I want to see that um, uh, Finding Francis uh, documentary as well. Documentary, the the series finale that was an hour and a half. Um, Yeah, feature length uh, doc. But there's an episode. Have you seen the Smokers Allowed episode where um, where Nathan has an idea where to allow smoking in a bar? He sets it up as a uh, stage play, like a documentary stage play. So he sets chairs and a curtain in the corner and has people come in and just sit in this bar and watch the people in the bar. And because then it is performance theater, they're allowed to then have smoking in the bar. So it circumvents the no smoking allowed. Right. Um, kind of things. Anyways, it's well, there's smoking funny, in this idea. as well. Like everybody is like literally well, Las Vegas. You can smoke. Yeah, yeah. Smoking, smoking pot as well. And like, it's just, it's such a, and, and, and again, it's the camaraderie between characters and then the interesting dynamics. It ends in a very kind of, bitter way that I thought was an interesting choice and sort of again this is the last day of this bar before it closes and you have all these characters that you know these people that don't really have anywhere else to go and you know this one refuge that they have is 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 closing and it's like where are these people going to go afterwards and 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 you wonder 
you know, what their future is going to be like, but it's, it is a phenomenal piece of documentary filmmaking. And it's like, again, one of those movies that even if you're not a documentary person, I would highly recommend this because it doesn't feel like a documentary. There are no title cards. There are no kind of, you know, traditional like, Oh, this is, you know, a talking talking head. It's in the moment. It's in the environment. It feels like you are there with these characters every step of the way. And that by the end of it, you get a sense of what, their lives are like and what this place means to them. And um, yeah, it's, it's beautifully it sounds shot dope, man. I, I, it looks like a film from I, the I 1970s. Can't, I can't wait to uh, check it out. I just uh, was searching about it when you were talking. So it sounds awesome. I'm definitely, definitely in for that. Um, I don't have anything really on my end. Um, uh, we have reviews up, like I mentioned for an American pickle project power unhinged, and the one and only Ivan. So a lot of the stuff I've been watching has been for, you know, untitled movie reviews. Um, I haven't really sat down and watched something just for myself um, in a little while because I've been so busy. Uh, I did watch About Time and A Silent Voice for the kind of funny screencast, which I mentioned I was on. So please go check that out. Is their DC fandom uh, preview episode from last week if you do want uh, to go check that out but I did review about time and a silent voice with Joey and Nick um, I was the downer of the group and gave about time the bad bad rating um, and then I, uh, I I just you can listen to my thoughts there but you weren't a downer um, you I, were you were critical and, was, and you were thoughtful yes. you gave some positive remarks as well but i felt like i I told you this already you know off the the podcast i think what you brought to that um that episode was a very thoughtful and considerate commentary and your you know your strength as a film critic showed so much in that conversation and you were able to hold court with both nick and joey in a way that i hope that you are on many many more episodes because i think you are a (laughs) valuable asset to them and personality who has something to say and and again about time you 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 had so many really interesting things to say that were you know you you complimented the film about the relationship between the father and son but also the which i think you're on the same page yeah yeah i think that's some of the best that's some of the best stuff in the movie and i do genuinely think the cast is very charming um i was shocked to see i totally forgot margot robbie and vanessa kirby were in the movie um like so that was um quite the wait what as i was watching it i totally forgot about that yeah i just think the movie has some issues with their relationship and i mentioned all of this stuff so uh, yeah i'll plug that show go listen to that if you want my thoughts uh but a silent voice is very very excellent um also talked about it on that show um uh i again you can go see my uh, full thoughts there but um a silent voice please seek out um it's fantastic um and uh, really caught me off guard. I, I really knew nothing about it. And I thought it was a very kind of mature um, uh, animated film about, you know, teen suicide and depression and, and anxiety and, and things like that. So um, go check out a silent voice. I think it's great. And every anime I watch lately has the most beautiful food in it, Eric. I brought up the weathering with you, Big Mac. And then after that episode uh, of screencast, like, again, I'll, I mean, a little behind the scenes stuff. I was pretty nervous because, like, again, you didn't I admired, come off that way. You, you, I, you seem like a natural. I, I appreciate that, but leading into it with anything I do, I get pretty nervous, and then I'm mostly fine when it happens. Um, 
I didn't eat all day beforehand. I just couldn't eat. I was just like, I'm not Dude, hungry. that happens with um, me every time I do an episode of Cinema Scene yeah. or something like an interview where I-, I an interview, You have yeah. to kind of like almost like fast because you're just so afraid it's, of like throwing yeah. up or something. Yes, or anything. I don't know what it is. Anytime I've had a job interview, um, there's two things that happen. A job interview, I get really nervous and I have to shit like 40 times or something. <laughs> um, or it's the complete opposite of where I'm nervous and I'm like, I can't eat anything. I can have a coffee. Because that's just such like a, you know, it basically is just nothing to me anymore. A coffee I need every morning. Right. Um, but food is like, I, I wasn't nervous to the point where I was like, because I, I was confident. We do this, you know, multiple times a week, me and you. Um, it's different I, with somebody that you know, right? Like it's, it, it, it is, it's yes. But I, but also I was very confident in my abilities, but I was also very nervous. So I didn't eat anything. So I talked about the food on the show. Um, and then I brought up the weathering with you, Big Mac. And much like when we saw weathering with you last year and had to get Big Macs during TIFF, I'm like, I need to eat a Big Mac. I haven't eaten all day. Um, so like after I was done recording screencast, I was like, I'm, I'm going to have my one meal of the day be like a Big Mac combo from McDonald's. Treat yourself. And, um, and God, it was the tastiest thing. Like if you don't eat all day and your first meal is a Big Mac combo at 6 p.m., it is the tastiest thing you've ever had in your life. But how much um, of that was also you thinking about weathering with you while you were eating it? God, I'm telling you, everyone listening to this, I th- is weathering with you even out yet? So it's getting – so uh, Shout Factory, which also released uh, a, a silent uh, voice on Blu-ray and they handle a lot of uh, anime films and, and I highly recommend looking at their – um, you know their physical media library. If 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 you're ever in 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 the mood, they also released Perfect Blue, um, not too long ago, which is another great film. Um, is getting a Blu-ray release in September, and then in um, I believe it's December, they're releasing a box set 4K, which I kind of wish they were calling it the Big Mac 4K collection or, or edition. Um, so you know whether or not you have a 4K p- player or not, it will be available on Blu-ray uh, starting in September, and then a 4K edition as well. Well, um, they released a Your Name uh, version uh, a couple years also ago, which is movie. which is yeah. I, I think I like the concept more than the movie, but um, having watched both the dubbed version and the original Japanese version, I always pick usually the Japanese version unless one of the characters is voiced by Michael Keaton. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, you. You brought that up when you brought that up. I was like. I also kind of felt like oh, I need to go grab something to eat, but I, but truly, like I understand where you're coming from, where you were so where you're you're nervous to do something like that because you're a fan. You're a fan of you know the kind of funny group, and you don't want to let them down, and you want to you know show that you are also mm. you know a professional in the industry, and you did both. You never yeah. came off uh, as as nervous, and 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 I understand. I don't want to play that off either because like I get where you're coming from. So. Um, if you have not listened to it yet, I highly recommend checking out Matt's uh, episode. It's it's a lot of fun, and you guys kind of uh, badgered Supernatural a little bit, which I thought was was <laughs> funny as well. Uh, but it, it's yeah, you 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 know again brought up some really excellent points that I felt added to the conversation and just wasn't you know Nick and Joey you know just kind of having a casual conversation, which I'm sure you know I haven't listened to too too much, but like you added something into that that I felt 
was a new dynamic maybe even for them and they kind of thought like oh yeah you know what about time does have these um issues that i wasn't necessarily thinking of or something that i should be and 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 you know it's it's worth having that conversation about thanks man i appreciate that yeah so it was a blast go check that out um but those are the things i've been watching i haven't really did you I haven't really did, been watching did you much. watch any watch... or did you listen to any of their um dc uh fandom uh coverage yeah, I did on the weekend. Do you want to just jump into that? Yeah. I mean, we what, have what, other what, 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 what did you think of their coverage? Because I know that they were talking about it on on that show as yeah, well. Yeah, so we covered that stuff, and it was fun. I mean, I think DC fandom in general. We'll lump the trailer, talking trailers, trailer, whatever, and um, and news all into one. Um, and whatever this episode's going to be all over the place, but um. Their fandom stuff was good. I mean, it's obviously Greg was very, very excited. He's a big, big DC guy. Um, everyone kind of rags on him for the Snyder Cut stuff, as as you know, most people rag on people who are excited for the Snyder Cut. But um, DC fandom in general, I hung out and watched a lot of their streams. You know, a lot of it was them going, "Okay, this is you know, it's going to be us talking over people talking, right?" Because a lot of it was you know what we're doing now. It was like a zoom chat between the casts and stuff like that and answering questions from fans and different things like that. And they were mostly there to, you know, react to the trailers and and the news and stuff like that. So, um, it was fun. I mean, I think, uh, obviously leading up into the big, uh, the Batman trailer later, I think that was the biggest thing. Um, but then the video game trailers with, um, Gotham Knights and the suicide squad game, were fun to react to them because they're big game guys too. Um, and gals with Joey, Joey appeared on a lot of it. Um, and, uh, the suicide squad stuff was fun. Um, everyone loving weasel was a blast. Um, I sent them, I sent them down a rabbit hole because or a weasel uh, hole in this case. Yeah. Because after they watched the Snyder cut trailer, they're like, why was it in, it wasn't, it's not quite four by three, but it kind of looks like four by three. So they're like, I was, they were like, why is it in a box? Like, why is it four by three? And then I messaged them. Cause our, again, our, our friend Ben Shane shout out to uh, has been messaging us being like, I think Snyder's going to use the IMAX aspect ratio for, um, uh, like the more traditional IMAX uh, aspect ratio, which is taller than it is wide. So it almost comes across as, you know, four by three or a box. Um, and then that kind of was confirmed when that trailer dropped. And um, I messaged them. I'm like, no guys, that's how the movie's going to be released. That wasn't just the Instagram version parts. of the trailer. Yeah. And like, they knew that part, which is fine. But like the aspect ratio thing, I sent them down a rabbit hole. Cause I tweeted at them and I'm like, no, that's like, that's how the movie is going to be coming out. And then Greg was like, no, it's no, it's not. And I'm like, it is, it is. And then uh, he's like, that can't be true. And then they started like do, doing their own research. And then um, Tim was laughing at Greg and shit. And he's just like, I can't believe like, it's such a weird choice with that aspect ratio because like, I get it if the movie's being released in IMAX theaters because okay, I've been to the Scotiabank or the, you know, Cinesphere, a true IMAX theater is is very tall and not very well it's still very wide because it's so massive but um but if uh if you see you know even tenant this uh this weekend if you're seeing it on a real imax screen um imax footage is you know almost a square um it's but it's a little bit more than a square it's tall it's not necessarily um, vertical but it's it has that kind of like like you like you said like you're looking up because it's it is more of a square box kind of thing than your widescreen. 
Yeah, and it looks weird when you're watching it at home, though, because it almost looks four by three, right? Like it's a little bit wider than four by three, but it looks four by three, like an old school, like, like, or an A24 movie, like The Lighthouse or a <laughs> A24 story. is Zack and Snyder's like, The Justice yeah. League. Well, I was going to do that Drake meme where it's just like, um, uh, you know, when he's going like, no, like, oh, I don't like I that. Like and then he's like, oh, and then, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to do like when Zack Snyder uses four by three for Justice League and like when A24 uses it for any fucking movie. Or you could have used the same um, meme that of, of, of the couple walking and the one guy looking at the other girl, oh, yeah. right? Exactly. That would have been good too. But um, anyways, um, the, I just think it's wild that that movie is coming out in that aspect ratio on HBO Max. That doesn't make any fucking sense and in four parts like that's the thing that i was laughing my ass off when i mean talking i guess maybe we can even talk about the trailer at this point like it's exactly what i was expecting it to be and even just using leonard cohen's hallelujah it's like one uh, yeah yeah because he used it for the watchman as well during the sex scene with uh silk specter and 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 night owl too um but (laughs) watching the trailer Zack snyder is such a dork and like the things that he thinks is cool are kind of lame and it feels like the things he does find interesting are like dated in the early 2000s like i guarantee that he was the kind of guy that was listening to limb biscuit and pod and puddle of mud and and he's they were cool yeah and he is like you can tell he's also ripping off you know the wachowski uh sisters but like with them i mean some of their stuff is also i think a little dated now when you look back at it especially with you know the matrix which uh uh lily is in uh disclosure uh the, the documentary i was talking about a little earlier but at least they have some interesting visuals that have kind of carried on for better or worse in pop culture where he kind of just feels like he's being derivative. And like the one original thing that Zack Snyder has done, which is sucker punch is like the very, you know, best of the worst of what Zack Snyder is in a nutshell, which is like, he loves anime. He loves slow motion. He loves sort of Gothic cyberpunk images. And none of it kind of comes together or makes any sense because it's all aesthetic based. Like there's nothing deeper than that. And that's, what I felt watching that trailer, but it's almost like they're doing like HBO max is doing like their version of, of, uh, QB, um, pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but like an obscenely long. Yeah. We're only releasing everything in one hour chunks. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, the aspect ratio is baffling. The song choice is baffling. Um, I'm still like morbidly curious. Are we going to review it? Absolutely. I'm but only in parts. We're going to each, uh, each section. So, you know, part I one, part two, what, part two, part three, I think four. that's what they're doing. That kind of funny. They're going to do the in review four different episodes where I'm like, I'm going to wait until the whole thing is out. I don't need, I, although watching it in one hour chunks does sound good. Meaning I don't have to sit there and watch it, it for four sounds hours. Less but- exhausting. And that's the problem. I also have with Zack Snyder movies, especially with man of steel and, you know, uh, his version of, uh, or, or Dawn of Justice and like just Justice League in general is that watching those movies, I just feel like I'm want to crawl up in a ball, you know, with Batman versus Superman and, yeah. and, and Man of Steel. Like, I just feel completely exhausted. And I was telling you, like, I, I think the best thing that Zack Snyder has done is the remake of George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I, I like that movie genuinely. And I, I remember. I rewatched the trailer for 300 the other day and I was like, man, I remember being one of the only people in my friend group that did not like 300 the first time I saw it and like, or I still don't like 300, but like, I just remember that thing as an 18 year old, you know, straight white man 
And you, you could imagine like, you know, any 18 year old straight white man, 300 was like fucking crush some Budweiser's and watch 300, right. man. For a film that should be and also like, more homoerotic, it's not. <laughs> it, yeah. And then, um, but I just remember not liking it. And, uh, and yeah, I do like his Dawn of the Dead and um, I, I do like his Watchmen film. Do you like um, a director's cut or the theatrical version? You know what? I've never watched the director's cut. I own the 4K of it now, but I've never. I was going to go back and watch it before, you know, Watchmen on HBO. Uh, but Watchmen on HBO is so good that I'd never want to go watch another version of that again. Yeah, I agree. I'm getting with a you. phone call. Oh, One sec. This is happening in real time. I'll talk as, as, as Matt's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also just interesting with Zack Snyder, you know, going back to something, you know, uh, surrounding tragedy is you know uh, with his daughter passing away sadly um during the filming but yeah i just don't know if there's really like a demand for this movie outside of like you know this sort of small subsection of fan bros and it kind of feels as if you're getting you know a, a, a group of people that are very vocal online uh, about you know getting their their version of a film but when it's all said and done and this movie is released how much of it is actually going to be different you know Warner Brothers has given and HBO Max has given him a budget to you know shoot some additional scenes and you know work on post production and um, sort of bring in new characters and re edit certain scenes to add in characters that were cut from uh, the original version um, but at the same time like it just kind of feels like well what's uh the the point given you know these characters and storyline were so butchered and rushed to begin with competing with uh marvel's uh mcu and you know like it's not many films get this chance to say let's have a do-over and that do-over in this situation kind of feels like you know, they're not going to really add much more to the conversation. So it, it, it's the one thing that I guess is a, still a morbid curiosity, but there's not much to it. For Snyder Cut? Yeah. I only heard some of that. No, no, phone, no. But, I was just kind of uh, trying to buy some time for you. So. No, please. And you might have to again, because I'm getting something delivered in two seconds and I might have to run down. Anything good? <laughs> uh, it is. It's uh, something I have to show my ID for, um, which it's weed. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, legally from the Ontario cannabis store, everyone. Um, but they, I guess they have like, it's not Canada post. It's just, you know, some random delivery driver. So he called me and because I live in this new complex, um, he's just like, I can't find, this is the second time today. Cause I had chef's plate delivered, which is like a meal, you know, uh, recipe kit, uh, delivery box. Um, and both times people have called and they're like, we can't find your house on maps. And I'm like, Oh, um, yeah, it's not on any map, so you need to just figure out yourself. But I have to give them the entrance, anyways. Long story short, I might have to run downstairs when I hear the doorbell in like five minutes. But Snyder Cut, yeah, I don't know. Morbid curiosity. I do want to watch the. F- I'll probably just watch it as one film. I don't think I want to watch it weekly. I don't know if that interests me at all. It barely interests me. But like, I'm more interested in the film version than the TV version of it. Whatever the one episode. He's per pulling week a Quentin is, Tarantino. But- <laughs> Um, but yeah, fandom. Uh, what else did we see? We saw the new trailer for Wonder Woman, uh, 1984, right? Yes. Is that what the movie's called? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think I like the first trailer more. Um, but we did get our first look as Chris and Wig as Cheetah. Um, looks like you made the joke of Taylor Swift and cats. Um, which most people are making that joke. Um, 
little worrisome with that CGI and the, and that character in general um, looks a little goofy, but uh, well, when, uh, when she's in that anthropomorphic mode, like I think everything beforehand where it's just Kristen yeah. wig kind of wearing like, you know, like either leopard print or something that's kind of, I guess, you know, quote unquote ferocious um, that I don't mind. I actually kind of like a more grounded version, but yeah, I, I feel the, the same exact way. And specifically I'm worried that we're going to get the, that, that, cliche third act cgi battle that's just yep. nothing but you know two characters fighting each other yeah like, exactly and it's a shame because I, I i like the idea of the fish out of water story again going to the 80s like it, this could be a lot of fun and you know maybe it's going to take a lot of it you know it probably will take advantage of um you know the 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 80s references and jokes and you know costumes that's what i'm excited for that looks fun i mean how they explain chris pine's character to come back steve trevor i have no idea uh i mean who cares really he got the blood of of uh, khan and survived right like that's the yes exactly the triple had it right Yeah. yeah Um, so yeah, Wonder Woman looked good. Uh, the news on the flash stuff was interesting. They did confirm that it probably will. I think, did they confirm flashpoint or they just said it'll be a multiverse kind of, I think it was just a multiverse. Um, Like they didn't necessarily say like, this is, you know, Andy Machete and, uh, Ezra Miller, who I'm surprised is still a part of the production, uh, after strangling out that fan on that video, um, talked about like the idea that this is going to be, they're they're basically they're Doctor Strange, Spider Verse, yeah. or Doctor Strange, yeah. And it almost to me feels like Flash is less of a character and more of just like a jumping off point to make this movie. A, it, this could be called like Batman, you know, like from from everything that we've seen so far. Yeah, which I'm not against. I'm not um, and so yeah, I mean, I think using his uh, this version of the Flash to kind of explain where the dc not eu but just dc movies in general will be down the line i think makes sense i don't think it's necessarily going to reset anything i think it'll just kind of showcase like there is a multiverse uh you're gonna get dc movies that take place in all these different places and and they might connect at times but they don't have to either so you know the Ben Affleck Batman, which is the DCEU exists. And he's coming back. Also, That's the big news yeah, with that movie. That is well. the big news too. And then also Michael Keaton as coming back as 89 Batman is, is, um, is awesome as well. So like, you're going to probably have those two Batman, um, interact. Will there be other cameos from other Batman? Who knows? I think they'll probably just keep it to those two. Um, unless there's a fun cameo by, you know, Clooney or Kilmer or, or uh, some of the animated ones, or something. I don't know, but you have to have um, the nipples on the on the costume, though, of Kilmer yeah, and yeah. come back. Yeah, that would be wonderful. They're, like that could be a fun one-off joke. Like I don't know, it'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm curious in this movie uh, about this movie, and if they do the Flashpoint storyline, if they bring back Jeffrey Dean Morgan again, which was rumored, but now it seems like he might not be in it as Thomas Wayne because in the original Flashpoint story, um, Flash goes back into a universe where. Bruce dies instead of his parents and then Thomas becomes Batman and then spoilers Martha is the Joker um, which could be interesting Um, but yeah I don't know like um, I think that's kind of a good way to be like hey yeah the DCEU exists it's not great so we'll just kind of showcase that we'll have many different universes and uh, Matt Reeves the Batman uh, Batman will live in its own universe we have the uh, you know, Burton verse, we have, um, you know, all these different things. So oh, I think this guy's calling me again. 
Eric, Phil, about Batman, your favorite Batman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go get well, I mean, everybody knows it's Michael Keaton, Batman 89. Talk about whatever you want. I'll be right back. I will. I will. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting to see how that will work. I, I am curious to see if they will incorporate any of the Thomas Wayne um, story arc or, or, or storyline, especially because Andy Machete has already directed um, you know, the, the two it movies, is he going to make a reference or have some sort of um, Easter egg to the Joker, especially because he has already dealt with homicidal killer clowns uh, uh, only recently. It's, it's, it's a fascinating um, idea to think of. And then again, you know, you have to look at, um, you know, the, with that movie specifically, we didn't get too much more in terms of when the filming is going to start, probably somewhere in early, uh, 2021 or maybe sometime in the summer next year, depending on scheduling and who else is going to be cast. But I do think Ben Affleck being, uh, coming back to, um, the Batman role is significant because he did say that like he was basically done after, you know, the failures of both Batman v Superman and Justice League kind of being a misfire and the critical reception to his character and also him, you know, dealing with uh, his own personal demons with alcoholism and and trying to sort of figure out his own life. And and you can't blame the guy for that because again, you know, he can, you can only take so much before, you know, you want to move on creatively and, and, and artistically speaking, like he needed to kind of move to the next thing. But I think it is interesting that he is coming back. So it, it probably says something to, you know, money talks, but creatively speaking, this might be an interesting perspective and maybe a way to find closure for that character in a way that he was looking for in Justice League, because there were rumors at one point that he Batman was going to die in Justice League and sort of his mantle would be passed on to somebody else in, in future films. So maybe this is the way to do that. He might not necessarily die, but it's a way to say, OK, this is my uh final curtain call or, or cape call uh, as Matt comes back into the room with a giant box. It's uh, uh, it's, it, it's very exciting. So yeah, I, I think Affleck's, I think Affleck's casting is really uh, fascinating. Matt, Matt, I was just mentioning Ben Affleck being brought back into the fold because he was, you know, very uh, adamant in not returning, especially after uh, the failures of uh, his performances in both Man of Steel and um, Justice League and the reception and also his Batman movie kind of falling apart around the same time as uh, Live By Night was being released and, you know, his battles with alcoholism. Yeah, thank you for filling time. Uh, sorry. No, no problem. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not used to having to run down three flights of stairs to go to the door. You got your um, work for the day. I did. Uh, the guy had trouble finding my house, but now I'm opening my box of... Uh, goodies. Um, yeah, I mean, Affleck coming back is a huge shock to me. Um, really didn't think we'd get another appearance by him. I think it makes sense though, as like kind of a farewell to, um, probably his version of that character. Um, but then it also leaves it open. Like I, I honestly could see a world where, um, I'm so out of breath. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what that's saying, but, um, a world where I think some of these characters, whether it's Cavill's Superman or Affleck's Batman or really any of the DCEU characters could appear in other movies. I just don't necessarily think we're going to have this, you know, uh, big universe with all of these characters consistently um, having their own films and leading up to a Justice League movie and another one or whatever. But 
Um, I think this will probably be it. Um, but I like the idea that all these Batman universes exist and, um, and then, yeah, the big, all the other DC stuff, they didn't really show much from, uh, the suicide squad. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that actually. I am, which I like, I would have never guessed that, you know, after the last suicide squad movie we watched, we'd be excited for another one with some of the same characters. Right. Um, but having James Gunn involved and they did really focus on him and his voice and um, they showed uh, a character reveal tra- teaser, um, an animated one, as well as a behind the scenes kind of um, sizzle reel of them shooting the Suicide Squad. So, um, I mean, we could probably run through all the characters, but off the top of my head, I thought it was fun seeing, you know... Um, well, let's just be honest. Uh, Weasel is going to be the one yeah. that everybody is going to be talking about. And I think that perfectly sums up James Gunn's sensibilities. I mean, obviously, when the you know Suicide Squad, David Ayer's version, was coming out, a lot of people made the comment that he you know dc was just finding their <laughs> dc was just finding their version of guardians of the galaxy which is true so why not hire the guy who made guardians work but looking at weasel kind of shows you the combination of practical effects and sort of bizarre tr- uh, trauma uh humor that james gunn has those sensibilities he'll bring to this and the man on the mission sort of storyline that everybody was hoping for with uh, the air version as well kind of feels very much more prevalent here as a dirty dozen sort of uh, DC knockoff. Yeah. I mean, you said, you said it perfectly. Like weasel was the star of that, which looks like, you know, bizarro rocket raccoon, like a rocket raccoon. If he was like, on meth. Um, yes, exactly. Um, I, I was into it. I didn't think I would be. Um, I, actually kind of like that they're bringing back, you know, Jai Courtney and uh, Margot Robbie. And uh, there's only a couple people. Well, Viola Davis. Um, uh, Joel Kinnaman as, as Rick Joel Flagg. Kinnaman. Although I wish they brought, I, they, they recast uh, him with uh, Rick Flair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, John Cena in there looked ridiculous. He always just something rubs me the wrong way about John Cena. Every but time I'm I kind see of excited for this role for him because it kind of feels like this is perfect. Perfect. Like the yes, idea. Of I know. Guy I agree with you. A spokesperson. And I actually do like John Cena, or at least like. So do I. His, his, when he when he does an interview, there's part of him that's like you know he's a publicist or a spokesperson for whatever he's selling, and like you can't kind of break through that facade. But there's also another part of him that's very kind of sincere, and I think that works perfectly where he says like this is like the 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 evil version of you know uh, Captain America, and the idea that like he's a guy for peace, but he'll do whatever is possible to maintain that peace, including killing people. Which- Killing everyone, yeah. So here, I'll run through the cast. So Margot Robbie returning as Harley Quinn. We have Idris Elba uh, coming in as Bloodsport. We have John Cena as uh, Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker. Uh, Joel Kinnaman returning as uh, Rick Flagg. We have Peter Capaldi as The Thinker. We have Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller. We have Jai Courtney returning as Captain Boomerang. Thank God. Um, We have Alice Braga um as soul soria we have pete davidson as blackguard um david uh dost Mollican. is that how you pronounce his name yeah it's, it's he's in he's an ant-man yeah. and and the dark yeah. knight actually he's been in a, in yes, a few actually uh, yeah 
comic book movies. Uh, he's playing Polka Dot Man. We have <laughs> Michael Rooker with amazing hair as Savant. Um, we have uh, Nathan Fillion as Arm Fall Off Boy. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes. With, <laughs> with, with the mustache. TDK. Well, yeah, TDK, or who is also known as Arm Fall Off Boy. Oh my God. Um, we have uh, Daniela uh, Melker as Rat Catcher 2. Um, we have Sean Gunn as Weasel. Um, Flula Borg as Javelin, uh, or The Javelin. Um, and then we have Steve um, Aggie or Aggie? I think it's Aggie. Yeah. Uh, Steve Agee. And then here's what I was talking to you about. They announced him as the on-set King Shark. Yeah. And he's so, also a character in the film in a cameo role as like one of uh, Amanda Waller's sort of uh, cronies. Yeah. So I'm curious with that wording because I was I was talking to you because Taika Waititi is in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then I was going, well, who is he voicing or who is he playing? And I was like, oh, maybe he is voicing King Shark if, Sting, if Steve Agee. Sting. Aggie, uh, if Sting. Sting. Stinger's here. Could you imagine if um, Sting, the, the musician Sting, was dressed up in like mocap for, for King Shark? For King Shark. So I, I wonder if he did, if Steve Aggie did the mocap for King Shark and then Taika. But that would be too similar to me at, as Korg. Uh, but maybe that's well, even, the gag. Even, I don't even, know. Um, uh, the IG, what it's not 88, IG, uh, IG 11, 11 yeah. as well, even like the idea of him, you know, I mean, Tyke is great with the, the, the voice delivery, but yeah, it's also strange that you hired somebody, you know, like Steve, who's a comedian to, to do that role. And, you know, maybe it's just to kind of keep the actors kind of, you know, up and, and, and what have you the way that like, you know, Sean, uh, gun did with, with rocket raccoon, right. With, with, you know, the onset stuff there. Yeah. Where they didn't say Sean gun as the onset weasel. They just announced him as weasel. So that's where I'm getting the difference where it seems like Steve is, is playing, you know, what Sean did with rocket raccoon in, in Guardians, where he so, also played another character in Guardians as yeah. well, right? So he was Which he was exactly in, he was credited for both roles. So maybe that is uh, the situation here. But it has that's the one piece of confirmation we haven't got yet. So, yeah. but what I am excited then, about King Shark, I'm just going to quickly say as like a side note, I'm now hoping I'm hoping now for uh, a Street Sharks uh, oh movie God, adaptation because yeah. <laughs> it could work. It looks good. Um, but yeah, I, I was into this. I mean, I, I like James Gunn a lot, and. Um, uh, I think his sense of humor will be perfect for this and he'll probably get to make an R-rated, you know, the Suicide Squad uh, movie. And it'll be kind of like an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So I'm 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 down for that. But who's so, the villain um, in this? Like that was the, the thing that I, I didn't find clear. And it's the same way with with Suicide Squad. Um where, you know, when the when the original movie was being released, it was, you know, there was an emphasis that Joker was Intr- going to be yeah. the villain, but then it was changed and, and, and re-edited to Enchantress. Yeah. This, I, I got no clear indication of who was the villain. That is a good point. So is it one of these team members? Is it um, maybe Taika is playing the villain and we don't, that's why he wasn't shown? Right. That could be interesting too. Um I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm you know what? I will give DC credit that um they really fucked it up the last few years. I'm sorry for anyone who liked any of the DCEU. Um, but it's true. We're not saying your um, shit, we're saying the DC movies are mostly yeah. shit. <laughs> and if you enjoyed them, by all means, I applaud you. Um, I just I, I did not enjoy many of them. Um, but I feel like they've been making the right 
decisions since they realized those fuck ups and um, they're kind of just letting people do and make the movies that they want and saying, okay, we don't need to have this big giant continuity. We can just kind of, you know, have these things exist and have them be good movies and hire interesting filmmakers. So um, yeah, I think this looks cool. I'm definitely down for it. Um, They didn't really show anything at the Aquaman panel. I don't think. Or, or black Um, Adam for that matter, other than that, they announced the rock, the rock is going to maybe, you know, uh, take on uh, Henry Cavill's The Man of Steel, which again, you know, they're bringing him back, and they kind of hinted at that with uh, the Shazam uh, post-credit scene. Even though they didn't have his face, that maybe there's still room for that version Henry of Cavill, Su- yeah. Superman, right? Yeah, and I think I think we probably will get that. And um, and then in Shazam, um, it was announced that Sinbad will be in the movie. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a real thing, but it was funny. Will it be a jingle uh, the way kind of uh, same universe film? We'll see. I hope they do actually have him in the movie to just commit to that joke. Um, well, think about but, it. I mean, he took on Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was Mr. Freeze, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, what else did we get news from when it comes on the movie front? What are the well, we DC should talk about the Batman then, I think. Yeah, that's what right I mean. If, that. if that's all that's left. Or yeah, I mean, with Aquaman, so. we, we already mentioned there wasn't really much there other than apparently James Wan is going with a more serious tone, which I really don't think that's going to work. I, I, I think, you know, the movie has its problems. It's way too long. Um, but one reason why it worked, worked is because how goofy it was. Yeah, like I kind of like the idea that like Aquaman himself takes is, is kind of – self-serious but the movie around him is kind of funny i think the only sequence that really is kind of like quote-unquote deadly serious is the trench scene where like you know they dive under the water and it plays like a james wan conjuring horror movie jump scare kind of thing for uh, a, a little bit but yeah like the part of what made aquaman kind of a step in the right direction is that it didn't take itself too seriously. Like you need to kind of keep that going. You have a guy who talks to fish. You don't need to make this the Batman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and then perfect segue, um, the big, you know, uh, piece de resistance at the end of the night was Matt Reeves, the Batman panel. So, um, he had a pretty interesting conversation. I think that guy is just super interesting to listen to and and, passionate and, and, passionate like he really seems like he cares about the character and and really understands the character so um he talked a little bit about his vision and his cast and and the gotham pd show that's going to be on hbo max and then um the one thing that we didn't talk about is that both the trailers for the snyder cut and the batman leaked online beforehand um in pretty good versions of them. So I don't know who did that, but um, that was kind of a bummer for the team because uh, I, I almost wish I waited and watched it on the stream because it was a, it was a pretty fun moment, dude. And I, we've talked about it and I'm with most people where if you told me like, are you excited for another Batman movie? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, Batman, Eric, it's, I know it's your favorite superhero. You have a tattooed on your arm. Um, It's my favorite superhero. Um, And, I just, I love Batman, but we've seen it so many times now where it's that Spider-Man kind of thing of being like, well, can they, do we really need another reboot of this? You need to take Um, a break, right? Do we need to see Bruce's parents die again? Um, How many times do we need to see that pearl necklace being pulled apart? So um, while I love Matt Reeves as a filmmaker and I liked all the casting choices and, and things like that, I'm, I'm definitely on team Robert Pattinson. I think if you haven't watched some of his work after Twilight, um, you talk you're about out of screencast? your mind. 
Yeah, because I'm like, Nick was apprehensive. To, like that was the thing that was kind of like Nick, you know, hadn't seen Good Time, or he was talking, no. you know, from his point of view of Twilight, which a lot of people still take that and and have that baggage towards Pattinson, which has been so the- long now. No, and he's worked with so many fantastic directors since then. And some like whether you like some of the small indie stuff that he's made or not, he's made interesting choices. And I think he is a very good actor. And so I don't know. I was excited for this, but I was like, all right, it's another Batman movie. The Nolan movies are are so great. They were so much of their time in such these massive fantastic superhero movies. Well, it's um, it was the beginning of the reboot genre too, because Christopher Nolan was the guy that kind of brought back Batman, but the concept to reboot a franchise and bring a darker, more sort of grounded tone to the genre. Cause with Batman begins, I mean, like I remember watching that movie and thinking, Oh, this is going to be, you know, a, a, an interesting film. It's, it's from the director of insomnia. Cause that was what he was best known for in memento at that time. And, and thinking, okay, well, what's he going to do that's different. And also you still had the taste of the Joel Schumacher movies still in your mouth, but it had been, a number of years between, you know, Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. And it will be a number of years, I think, I guess, between Batman movies. Sure, we got Batman v Superman, technically kind of a Superman movie, even though it is more of a Batman movie. Um, And uh, we got some Batman in other films since then in Suicide Squad and Justice League and Lego Batman movie. Lego Batman. We've gotten a lot of Batman, but it has been a number of years between, you know, solo Batman movies. Um, so anyways, going into the trailer, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for this. Um, but I, I don't know what to expect. And then dude, I have watched this trailer an obscene amount of times. <laughs> like I can't stop watching it. I you really could say can't. there's and something in the way that that trailer is put mm. together where they use the Nirvana song, something in the way. There we go. Um, but dude, I, I just, it's, it feels good to be excited for something, I guess. Like this year has been so shitty and, you know, movies keep getting delayed and, and not coming out and we haven't really had a steady influx of trailers and say what you want about trailers. Um, they can sometimes do more harm than good. Um, I really do think, I really wish I was one of those people who could avoid all trailers and just see movies when they come out. But I just, there's something special about a trailer reveal and experiencing that with people and discussing it with people that I still, I, I really think it's an art in itself. And yes, it's just marketing. They're trying to get you in seats. And that's why I think sometimes it does more bad than good because it sets you up with, you know, lofty expectations for things instead of just going in and taking the movie for what it is. However, I fucking love this trailer. I can't stop watching it. I watched it. The I watched the bootleg version. I watched it on the stream with the kind of funny guys. I watched it four more times that night. I showed it to Nevis. I went downstairs and watched it on my 4K TV after I found the 4K um, version or 4K version on Vimeo. Thank you, Joey. Joey sent it my way, and and numerous other people. Um, our friend uh, Daniel Paul B- Baptista from the Movie Podcast sent me a 4K widescreen version that I've watched on my widescreen monitor and things like that. And anytime I'm feeling like a little bit down, and it's not a fun trailer. It's a very dark trailer. It's a perfect um, reflection of 2020. <laughs> it's so dark. Um, but it just cheers me up because I love this character so much. And and yes, it maybe it's not doing anything that we haven't necessarily seen before, but like I just think everything in this trailer is doing Batman so so well. And it is a super dark version 
I like the costume. Um, I like what I've seen from Robert Pattinson. I love this version of Riddler that they've shown this fucked up, twisted duct tape suffocating uh, Riddler. And, um, uh, and I don't know, like, uh, seeing, you know, Colin Farrell in the, in the fantastic penguin makeup, almost un- unrecognizable that beat down by Batman is fucking vicious. Um, uh, uh, the Batmobile looks fucking awesome just as this like, you know, roadster Mustang kind of Mad Max kind of car. Um, I just think uh, it looks fantastic. I don't, I don't know if I think you're in sort of the same boat. Yeah, I've, I've also watched it uh, a, a few too many times. And, and my excitement level is is also been peaked because going into this, I, I felt the same way. Like, I, I really like Matt Reeves. I think both of the uh, his Planet of the Apes sequels are, are, are fantastic. So good. But also let me in. Like, this kind of feels close to his remake of Let the Right One In, the, the Let Me In movie, where. Which, it, if you haven't watched that, please go watch it. It's, it's great. It's, great. It, it, it's darker it's it it has a you know a, a sense of place and time and it deserves to be there because usually when when you hear like a, an american remake of a, of a great foreign language film it's the bong joon ho thing where it's like you know don't be afraid of the 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 one inch subtitles um but with his version of it he found ways to make that movie work and 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 a different sort of groove within the same story and i think what we're seeing here with this trailer and everything that he's talked about. I mean, the one thing I, I do think that he brings to the table that is new, or at least hasn't been done since maybe even uh, the uh, Adam West uh, series is the idea of him being a detective and the idea yeah. of him sort of this being a neo-noir and, and sort of, you know, looking at the Riddler and sort of trying to find out what he's up to and what he's doing and being a private eye. Like that's the the storyline that usually gets lost in these Batman movies is that you get the big, you know, set pieces and sort of practical um, effects and, you know, great actors cast in these, these roles now. But the idea of what Batman is, is that he is a detective and he doesn't get to show that skill set often there are you know a couple scenes here and there within the nolan movies that you know he's he's doing research and kind of looking at surface level yeah where this kind of feels like we're going to get the i mean matt reeses even said like you know his inspirations are movies like the french connection and chinatown and and things like that where um, people keep comparing it to a fincher movie too yeah yeah it has that kind of again gritty dark aesthetic but the nolan movies had that as well but this one has a it's it's less polished and greg frazier's cinematography kind of allows for the low dark lighting to really take effect like nothing feels overexposed or or stylized in a way that nolan has a, a certain fincher style to to his work um where you know wally fister and and hoyt van hoytema have kind of gravitated towards that clinical stuff there's a clinical nature here but there's something about the like the wetness of this movie as well like it's raining yeah. it's gross it's the it's second dark. year it's- of the character's existence as batman which i think is also going to be very interesting in seeing how this is you know, the one thing we always criticize is that there's too many villains, but the idea of introducing Catwoman and Penguin and Riddler and probably other characters that we don't even really know about yet that will be set up for potential sequels. I think that's going to be interesting that we're getting these characters just kind of brought into the world right right away instead of having to like each sequel or each new movie setting up a character and introducing them. Why not just kind of have one movie Start that kind building of sets that universe, the world yeah. up already? 
Yeah, and I love that. I thought Zoe Kravitz looked awesome. I loved her outfit for it with the like kind of the balaclava like uh, thing with the it, they weren't like the cat ears were so perfectly how it sat on her head just how they poke out and it like this world feels and it's something reeves talked about where he's like i wanted to make this movie and it's something nolan always talked about of making his movies grounded and feel real world and as you got into dark knight and and especially rises um you kind of lost that a little bit with you know two-face and and bane and and, and stuff like that but um he talks about how I want you to feel like this could happen, you know, in a, in a real world kind of thing. And uh, I think with the costume design and, and everything that I've seen so far, it does feel that way. And um, I thought Zoe Kravitz looked fantastic. Like I mentioned, Colin Farrell looked super interesting with his, um, you know, makeup on for the penguin. Um, Paul Is he Dano, still a fiend I, for mojitos? Yeah. We'll find like, out. Pa- yeah. Uh the Riddler's look, if that is the Riddler from the trailer, um, almost looks like he's wearing like a fucking garbage bag on his face and like it just with glasses and and like it's just such a cool lived in world and that like it makes me way more excited for Gotham PD because Jeffrey Wright, who is the fucking goat, is like looks like a dope James Gordon. Like I, I love Jeffrey Wright and just seeing him as Gordon, I'm like, this is perfect. He's great. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We've seen two, two and a half minutes of the movie, but it's I not even cannot... finished pr- production yet. Like yeah. that's the other thing at the end of the trailer. It says, you know, they only shot 25% of the movie. Yeah. And, and I mean that 25%, I mean, so far looks great. Um, what are the betting odds that Paul Dano is going to be beaten horribly by Batman? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, I would put that you're not winning much money if you're betting on him getting beaten because that is a given. Um, but yeah, he's almost like he almost sounds like Kylo Ren by the end of the trailer with his like voice modulation. Or even Bane kind of a little bit. Not um, not like Bane, he sounds yeah. like Tom Hardy in the sense that you can't hear what he's saying, but the yeah, the voice modulation in general. And and, and I again, love- I think the plots of the, the the plot of this might actually be more grounded than Nolan movies, because I find that those films, as much yeah. as I love them, they get a little bit more convoluted and superhero esque by the third yeah. film, like the microwave emitter and things like that, where it's like, okay, this is still a superhero movie but where you're doing this like you know you mentioned david fincher like this looks and feels like seven in a lot of ways and if you keep it as a detective story then you know it's not going to go to outlandish story plots where batman has to take a bomb outside of gotham city using you know his <laughs> and look at the camera and, and yeah. wink um God, uh, I, I'm going to rewatch those because Kind of Funny is doing Batman in review next, which is going to be a blast. They're starting with the 66 Batman, which we watched together a it's few great. years ago. It's, I it love is it. good. I, I can't wait to rewatch it. So I'm, I'm starting the Batman movies with them. Um, uh, I'll be watching alongside them and, and listening to their show, um, uh, which should be a fun ride because I haven't watched the Schumacher movies in forever. I haven't watched the uh, the Burton movies in a while either, so it should be a uh, actually all the Batman movies I haven't really watched in a while, other than probably Lego Batman and stuff. So, because um, that was the most recent. Um, and then uh, we heard a little bit from Andy Circus in the trailer. Um, it sounded like as Alfred. I almost thought at the beginning of the trailer that I'm like, oh, are they gonna like kill? Like, is Andy Circus just in a cameo? Um, and is that Alfred at the beginning that the Riddler is, looks like he's, killing. I think he might I be Peter Sarsgaard. 
Yeah, it looks like um uh yeah, I think we see a photo of either Sarsgard or whoever the guy is who was killed later. Um and it doesn't look like it was Circus, so it could be Peter Sarsgard. Um, Cuz he's supposed to be playing see- the DA, right? So I yeah, have a feeling where um, they'll end this movie is they'll be bringing in is, Harvey yeah. Dent. Yeah, and I wonder who that would be. I would love so another thing with Gotham Knights, which is a video game that was announced at um, uh, DC Fandom, where Batman has uh, been murdered, and you're playing as the Bat Family, so you're playing as Nightwing, Red Hood, Batgirl, and Robin, um, and then the Court of Owls are um, a main villain in that game. Um, God, I want them to tackle Court of Owls so bad in this, and I I have this feeling because there was that rumor that Court of Owls were going to be the like set up or villains in, in the Reeves uh, Batman movie. So I have a, a feeling that they're going to start placing those, you know, Easter eggs in this movie and could possibly set up for court of owls. Cause it seems like that's when you're getting into a little bit more of a fantastical superhero ish kind of thing because Eric, I don't know how familiar you are with court of owls, but you've talked about um, it before on, on the podcast, they're like and a, also on movie you know, night. like a, a secret society. Uh, Scott Snyder wrote the 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 storyline in the comics. Uh, one of my favorite comic writers, and and uh, Court of Owls are like uh, a secret society that have lived in Gotham and have been you know pulling the strings from the undergrounds. Um, some of the elites in Gotham are in the Court of Owls, and like it just it's this big conspiracy that has lived in Gotham for centuries of why it, the city so they control everything and um, the one fantastical element of them they wear these creepy owl masks and there's a lot of really cool imagery with them but they have these assassins called the Talons um, and what they are is they're like kind of undead. Like that's where you get into that kind of fantastical territory of like, they're brought back to life or they're like sort of these uh, mindless, not mindless assassins, but like there is an element of bringing people back to life and, and things like that are turning them into these talent assassins. So I think they'd have to play with that a little bit, but, um, and then the other Scott Snyder story I thought of that could be really cool, but I don't think it really works because it's too early in Batman's career. Um, there's a wonderful uh, story. Scott's, first batman story i think on detective comics it's called black mirror and um it's when um uh robin um dick grayson is batman after batman was murdered but i think you could still kind of utilize this here um and it's james gordon jr so james jr um returns um as an adult later so it might not work unless they reveal that jeffrey wright you know had james jr you know along uh, time ago but james jr does play into year one a lot so he'd still be pretty young traditionally if this is year two um but james jr comes back and it's like he's a serial killer and like i think that's could be perfect for this world and i think like you could get a great actor to play jeffrey wright's son and if you're going to have jeffrey wright be a integral part with as james gordon um and you're having this gotham pd show like i think you could do something really cool with james jr the only thing there is you'd have to make him around the same age as robert pattinson's batman probably and have that um that Jeffrey Wright had a kid, you know, which I think is feasible at his age in, in these movies and things like that, that like yeah. 
um, I think it could work. But that James Jr. storyline from Black Mirror and just how it involves other Batman characters and stuff is is fucking awesome. If you guys haven't read that, it's a detective comics run. Um, and it's it's so interesting. And it's when Scott really focused on the detective aspect of Batman and the mystery elements and stuff like that. And I think that could really work for this world. So anyways, the, all of this stuff gets me super, super excited. And there's other people in the cast, like uh, John Turturro's playing Carmine Falcone. Uh, Barry, uh, Barry Keegan was just announced playing an uh, officer in um, the Gotham uh, Police Department. So maybe he's going to be the partner of, of uh, James Gordon, which is also kind of interesting because both uh, Jeffrey Wright and Barry uh, Keegan are um, Marvel uh, defectors as well, because um, Jeffrey Wright is the voice of a character, the watcher, the watcher for the um, uh, the what if, right? The yeah, yeah, uh, series and, and Barry ha- and Barry Keegan's in, uh, in not in humans. Fuck, uh, what the hell am I blanking on? Oh, the um, why am I blanking on it as well? I was gonna I say the elementals, Ele- isn't it? The no. Ele- no, why are we blanking on it? See, we um, haven't had any, we haven't done any Marvel. Uh, I mean, we'll get to more Marvel news in a second, but um, oh my god, I can't believe we're um, blanking on that. Shows that we, Angelina we, Jolie's in it. What? Who? The in not Inhumans. Why do I keep having Inhumans in my head? Everyone is the Eternals. Right the Eternals. Now. Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> Elementals. You were close. Yeah. Why did we forget Eternals? Uh, that shows you something. But uh, I'm excited for that too. But yeah, this DC stuff was cool, man. Like uh, we shit a lot on DC lately, but I think. I think you put it perfectly, Eric, and I was in the same boat as you that like we were looking forward to this because it was you know, we haven't had anything like this this year. Like it was nice to get a comic con cinema con kind of event where we got a bunch of announcements and a bunch of trailers. And yes, it was all very superhero heavy and DC hero heavy, but like, um, it was still super exciting. And and to cap it off with that, the Batman trailer, um, I think is really, really excellent. And, um, I, I think it's, it skyrocketed to being one of my most anticipated movies of next year. So knock on wood, everything goes smoothly and that they're able to, you know, finish shooting it and um, in time and, and stuff like that. Cause you never know. Um, I know the one bummer is that they had to move from Scotland to London and do most things on a soundstage now, I think. Right. Yeah. Where before they were using a lot of, uh, you know, practical locations around Scotland, I believe. Um, so that will be interesting how they had to pivot, but uh, it seems like they're starting, they're going to start shooting in the next couple of weeks again. So um, yeah, I don't know, man, it looks awesome. Yeah. yeah both. Uh, I, I think this was probably the crown jewel in the DC fandom uh, event and, and suicide squad being a cautiously optimistic um, property to kind of relaunch again. And, and so yeah, I, I agree with you where like this is something that is kind of just exciting in the sense that we we haven't gotten really anything, you know, um, you know, with with CinemaCon or Comic-Con or just kind of like really, you know, anything to look forward to this year. Like everything has been put on hold. So getting, you know, this footage and knowing that, OK, well, at least maybe in a year or two from now, we'll be getting a lot of stuff that's all been held over but also just you know movies that we can sort of start to look forward to again like actually have something to build to like that's kind of the aimlessness that i've been feeling recently where like each and every week 
or you know, month by month, it's kind of always pending on like, okay, what's the studio going to decide with this movie or that, and and how are we going to watch it, or if we're going to watch it, and, and what's going to happen in general. It's it's just been such a wild west in terms of um, you know release dates and and scheduling and and VOD um, releases that we we've just kind of been living in this world of of kind of just going with the flow and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that especially because you know just given the circumstances you can appreciate that more but it's just nice to know that okay there is something to look forward to yeah i agree and um staying in the superhero realm but pivoting to uh the marvel side of things um we got a few um marvel announcements not necessarily mcu but we'll see um, but the well, first we do have one, one which we MCU that one, we didn't talk yes, about before last week, we missed it last week. It was the one thing that slipped our mind. But uh, Nia DaCosta, who is the upcoming director of the Candyman reboot, right? Sequel, remake, reboot, re- reimagining. Remake. Yeah, um, uh, Nia DaCosta was announced to be the um, the director for Captain Marvel two, um, which is super exciting. So congratulations to her. Um, I, I still want to watch her directorial debut that came out a few years ago. Little Woods um, with uh, yeah, Tessa Woods. Thompson and uh, Lily James. Yeah. And um, I'm very, very excited for her Candyman film. And uh, that's an awesome pickup for uh, Marvel, Marvel studios on, on Captain Marvel too. And um, no offense to, you know, uh, Ryan Fleck and Anna. Bowden. What was her name? Bowden. Bowden. But like, I don't know, like I re going through, uh, the MCU again, just something fell flat with Captain Marvel. There's some cool stuff there, but um, I just don't necessarily like, I think Nia DaCosta um, uh, from everything. Like I love her persona on Twitter and um, yeah, everything I've seen from Candyman. I'm, I'm excited to see what she does with Captain Marvel too. So that's actually a a huge pickup for Marvel studios. Yeah, I I agree. I I think Captain Marvel has its moments and again, it's kind of playing with, similar tropes that the MCU already explored with, you know, Thor and things like that and sort of the fish out of water story specifically being a period piece of the nineties and using de-aging makeup for, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson and, and Clark Gregg. And it worked better on Sam Jackson because Sam Jackson doesn't really age um, where you notice it more with him. But I, I think one of the biggest problems is, is that, and, and Brie Larson has been very critical uh, on herself is that she was still kind of figuring out, the character as that movie was being made because she was kind of rushed into that production when she was cast. And it kind of feels that way a little bit where like, she's still trying to get her footing with the character. So maybe now she'll be a little bit more comfortable and kind of figuring out like who the character is. And there are moments in Captain Marvel. I think Ben Mendelsohn's probably the, 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 the kind of the shining star in that film. And I hope maybe he returns in some capacity for a sequel, but yeah, I, I, sure I, will, yeah. I think when it comes to, we've talked about this before, when it comes to the Marvel movies, it's always most interesting to look at the third in these franchises, because you look at Iron Man three, you look at Thor three, um, they kind of, the, the studio isn't putting as much emphasis on, on those movies at that point because they're letting the director kind of take control and maybe that'll be the way with the sequel where it's like okay you know we were kind of really focused on the pr aspects of captain marvel being the first solo female superhero movie in the mcu canon because you know it was a long time coming and it was something they probably should have done way beforehand and that was something also dc had you know before them with with wonder woman um 
So maybe now they'll just kind of let Nia DaCosta do her thing. I mean, there there will still be control and Kevin Feige will still be kind of calling the shots behind the scenes. But I find when you get to the third or maybe even second film in a franchise that – you know, is kind of a modest success, the filmmakers are allowed to do more, or if the film has kind of played out, like with Iron Man 2, it kind of felt like that movie didn't do as well as the first film. So when they got to part three and let Shane Black do his thing, it was almost like, okay, it's still a superhero movie. We still have to follow certain continuity elements, but still kind of bring what you want to, or we'll, you know, let you figure this out yourself. And it's the same thing with Thor Ragnarok, like Thor Ragnarok, feels like there's a lot of Taika Waititi in there. And I think the the next Thor movie is going to be full on Taika. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And then pivoting to um, the Sony side of Marvel, um, we got a, a couple of announcements there. So uh, Olivia Wilde was hired to uh, co-write and direct uh, with her uh, book smart uh, uh, writing partner Kate is it Kate? Uh, uh, Kate, Katie uh, Sibelman Katie, or Sibelman? Yes, yes, yes. Um, to co-write and um and direct a what everyone believes to be a Spider Woman um film. So she even tweeted out a picture, you know, a spider emoji on the um on the announcement and things like that. So it's it's most likely that it is a Spider Woman movie. Um. So I we we don't know if that will you know the Sony side of Marvel is so weird right now because like <laughs> yes we DC have Tom, of the Marvel universe yeah. but we know like we have Tom Holland who is signed on for three more MCU movies uh, right. one one more Spider Man film proper and then two more appearances in other Marvel movies I believe was what the contract was extended for then we have something like uh, Morpheus or whatever the fuck it's called Morbius um, and wasn't technically supposed to be in the MCU but then you have Michael Keaton showing up at the end and then you have the Tobey Maguire Spider Man on the poster which seemed intentional and then you have Sam Raimi directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So it's like, what is happening here? So like, it, it's un, it's unknown of if Spider Woman will be involved in the MCU right now. It does not look like she is. Well, but, and also Venom. Um, the sequel to Venom is the other Venom, one yeah. as, as well that we have to kind of take into consideration with, like, how is that going to play into? Because if if anything, if if Tom Holland were to show up anywhere in one of these movies, it would be the Venom film at some point, or or at least like a third Venom movie if if it's as successful as the first Venom movie. Which again, I hate having nostalgia for Venom, but I do because we oh, went yeah. to New York to see it. But yeah, it's it's fascinating just to see like how Sony has this weird disconnect with Marvel, and they can take Spider Man characters and do these spinoffs, and and Olivia Wilde is also just interesting right now because after you know Booksmart being the success it was and kind of announcing her as this really interesting up and coming director she's been attaching her name to a number of projects including one film that she's working on right now which is like a again neo-noir kind of thriller with uh, Florence Pugh and Chris Pine and Shia LaBeouf and then there's a movie that Fox Searchlight bought, which was a, a movie that's about a gymnast um, that's apparently quite promising. And I think there was also something else that wasn't uh, too long ago announced. So she's really kind of playing the field right now as a director. And it's kind of exciting just to see, you know, where she'll uh, she'll land or I guess in this case stick to uh, nah. in, in spider uh, terms. But but also, I mean, there's there's the um, the Sarah J. Clarkson uh, um, spy, uh, Madam Spider 
um, Madam Web, yeah, Madam Web. Pardon me, who who kind of showed up in the in the '90s animated series at the tail and end is of that kind of series. a multiverse, a Spider Verse kind of character, yeah. right? So that could be a way to maybe even introduce Madam Web, um, unless they're still going to do that movie. I don't know how what what's going on with it, but um, yeah, I mean, I could see them doing a Spider Verse kind of thing, which will similar to what they're doing with the Flash, kind of. Uh, merge those universes, not necessarily merge them. That's the wrong word, but like showcase that there can be these different universes that exist. There's the MCU over here, which Tom Holland appears in. uh, But then there's this other universe over here, which Tom Holland could also appear in um, that doesn't have anything to do with the MCU. And they'll probably with the permission of Marvel be able to, um, kind of mess around with. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Holland gets announced for Dr. Strange too soon as well. Right. Um, Which would also be just kind of full circle because of Sam Raimi directing it, right? Like I wouldn't be surprised if you have, um, you know, some of the Raimi Spider-Man cast show up in that movie, dude. Like I really, I really think that if you're doing a movie called the multiverse of madness and you have Sam Raimi directing it, how can you not? Like people will want that, and like right. I just. But it feel also like- depends on the actors because I know Toby Maguire has really. I mean, Toby Maguire is not much of an actor anymore. Um, he's more of a producer, but yeah. he also had or developed really bad back problems because of shooting. I understand. You don't necessarily even need to do him any action stuff, right? Like, I feel like if Raimi came to him and was like, "Hey, I would love for you to do this," I think most of that cast would be in, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big set piece or anything. I you just need to maybe there's one thing you need to do and you have to go see the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and, and just having, you know, whether it's Dr. Strange and Spider-Man have to go interact with that version of that character, I think would fucking people would explode, dude. Like look at how people reacted. It would be amazing if we got Bruce Campbell playing a version of (laughs) Spider-Man or something like that. Like, uh, you know, Campbell's going to be in it. And, um, I mean, there's all those, yeah, like he'll, I don't know. I'm excited for all of that, but Olivia Wilde, Spider-Woman, uh, I think is a great choice. Um, I, I echo all your thoughts on how her career has just kind of skyrocketed since Booksmart. So, um, super psyched for her. And then we also got an announcement that JC, uh, Chandor, who most recently directed Triple Frontier is also, uh, jumping into the Sony Spider-Verse and going to be directing a Craven the Hunter film um for sony um so much like morbius um it's going to be a spider-man villain film with craven um so which has been rumored for a while um i really loved triple frontier i don't know if part of that was we saw it at the Lightbox and dolby atmos in a theater and it was fucking just the total bro out movie and i just really enjoyed it it's a fun um, film and, and i think yeah. he might actually be a good choice just in terms of that film and even just maybe some of the like I, I could see someone like Oscar Isaac coming in and playing Craven the Hunter. I know a lot of people like the the person that they would love to have, even though he's in Aquaman, is is Jason Momoa, but I could see Isaac kind of like inhabiting that role quite well. Um and I know he's already been in X-Men Apocalypse, but you know, a lot of actors now are getting do-overs and, and what have matter. you. So yeah, so it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but it, yeah, it's it, I think out of all of these spider people, you know, characters in the shared universe of the Sony Spider 
uh, universe. I think this is the one I'm most interested in because I just always liked Craven, and Craven at one point does team up with Morbius again on the '90s cartoon, and I'm sure there's a comic series where they do as well, and that also kind of brings Blade into the uh, into the picture. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of weird you know, crossover or sort of, uh, agreement with, with Marvel and, and Sony with maybe bringing Mahershala Ali, uh, into the mix at some point. Yeah. It's that's the whole Sony Marvel deal is, is fascinating, but, um, I hope eventually they just sell the characters back to Marvel. Just Marvel pay way too much money and just let Sony get out of it. But they are probably one of Sony's biggest money makers, right? They don't have yeah. much else other than, Ghostbusters, I guess, and I'm trying to think of other franchises. I think Paramount have. is still kicking itself for having to yeah. lose the rights to all of the MCU stuff because, like, they were like nowadays. You look at Paramount. Paramount has been selling off most of their um, their movies. The only thing they have really coming up is A Quiet Place Part Two, and I mean the SpongeBob movie is is now released, but a lot of their kind of um, more you know, grown up sort of uh, prestigious films they've been selling off to, you know, Netflix and things like that, like the Aaron Sorkin movie. Um, and and I know that they picked up the rights for the next Scream film, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where that all goes. And, you know, the idea of, you know, in one of those articles, I think it was the variety, no deadline. It was the deadline one for JC Chander. They, Sony also mentioned that they are still very much developing uh, a black cat movie as well. So, you know, it's, it is cool that they are kind of thinking, you know, you know, not just sort of for the male audience or, you know, male centric characters, they are trying to be more of a wide ranging, diverse um, sort of net to grab all fans of, of, you know, different walks of life. Yeah, I'm um I'm psyched for all of it, dude. And then the other I think talking about Paramount and leading into this thing which I don't think we talked about, which was a huge piece of news that dropped right after we started recording and we'll finish the show with this topic is uh Martin Scorsese um kind of leaving Paramount sort of because that's kind of been his home for the most part, right? Well, I mean, uh, like, uh, Shutter Island He's was, jumped was, around a little bit, but Yeah, but Shutter Island was was kind of like the last big movie that he did at uh paramount and yeah. i think hugo was a co-collaboration between right. paramount and warner brothers it's not just but, one company an yeah, irishman was supposed were, to be and then so was flowers of the moon right is that what killers of the killers of, killers the, flower of moon. the flowers of the moon yeah um <laughs> was supposed to be flowers of the moon just fly that's what i'm gonna call it shorten it uh killers of the flower of the moon it was supposed to be at paramount uh sold off to apple now we get news that Marty has signed a first look deal um, with Apple TV or Apple in general uh, for his production company. So Marty Scorsese's home is at Apple now, um, right. which is crazy. so is Leo's because uh, yeah. Leo's company uh, Apple Way and uh, yeah Apple yeah. Way signed a, a first yeah, look deal. Yeah. So, but Marty Leo that kind of tracks um uh marty doing that and i i get it makes sense and is both wild to me at the same time because it makes sense because marty's gonna go to wherever whoever's gonna give him the most money and the most freedom and a theatrical release so apple having all of this cash they have billions of dollars just sitting there and they and need, they need make, something they and need, they need something, something that will get people to um, subscribe 
And I wouldn't even say Marty is Marty's that guy that film lovers really love. And everyone knows Marty Scorsese, but like I wouldn't necessarily think he's a he's not a cash cow. It's just but he's Leo a more is. Pre- and Leo, Leo is, being but, in it and De Niro, yeah. and the first time that those two have been together on screen since uh this boy's life, and the first time yeah. that they've worked together in a Martin Scorsese movie, not the short film that they did in Vegas with Don't Brad get me Pitt. wrong. I think it's a huge move, but just Marty going to Apple kind of, I guess, after I thought about it goes, okay, you know, Apple said, listen, you can have whatever budget you want. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And we will release your film in theaters if people let us essentially, Um, or they'll partner with someone like, like Paramount is still releasing the movie in theaters, aren't they? Like, don't they have the theatrical distribution for it? But then Apple is releasing yeah, it on Apple so, TV. So yeah, so that's the idea that this is actually going to get a traditional theatrical release um, compared to The Irishman, because The Irishman was a film that was a Netflix movie through and through. They paid the budget for the de-aging and it cost over $200 million to kind of pull that off. So the only theaters that Netflix could, uh, you know, release something like The Irishman in is, is theaters that they either owned or independent theaters like The Lightbox in Toronto that you know, weren't discriminating against the day and date release of the Irishman or have the Irishman open a couple weeks early so they could play in theaters. Um, and then afterwards, you know, get released in, uh, or, or start streaming. So this is going to go with killers of the flower moon is still going to be a traditional release. And it probably will even get a Blu-ray as well. Like I, I would be surprised if, you know, he makes a deal with criterion, like the, you know, the Irishman being announced for their November uh, releases, their new releases that will happen as well. And the reason why Scorsese, I think made this deal is again, because of the expenses he's, he had that taste of that $200 yeah. million budget, something that he, he really hasn't had his budgets for, Hugo and Gangs of New York have been substantial, but the, the Irishman was something that he 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 he's never made a Marvel movie. He's never made kind of you know a big block blockbuster mainstream film. So like the, you could argue The Departed is is very much an entertainment, but still it's 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 a modestly budgeted film. But because he had that freedom and you know the the money to work with i think that's kind of driving him to do something like this because he he was talking about um the sets being so costly and they're shooting the film it takes place the story takes place in the 1920s on a a first nations indigenous reserve um and it's about these horrible um oil tycoons that are stealing uh the land and oil from this indigenous tribe the osage county uh the osage uh tribe and it's it's a great book by david grant i would highly recommend reading it um and what you get in this story is is Robert De Niro's character is the one that is getting you know his group to marry into the a indigenous uh, community so that they can kill off the families and then inherit uh, the wealth. And so the period specific again is going to play a huge part in why the movie is costing so much. And I think they changed some of the storyline as well, because at one point DiCaprio was supposed to play, because it's also about the beginning of the FBI and J Edgar Hoover and sort of them kind of investigating what's going on. DiCaprio was supposed to play um, an FBI agent. And from what I've been reading is that they changed that. He's actually playing 
um, the son-in-law or the or the the son or somebody very close to De Niro. So it's actually going to still be a very intimate story, but the the scale and scope of the sets are going to be much bigger. Um, and that's all the casting that we've heard so far as well. So I don't know how much more we're going to get in terms of um, you know actors coming in. But Steve Zalian also wrote it, so it, it should have a kind of you know, very um, cinematic approach, but it's a small kind of crime tale. Yeah. And I think moving forward with this deal at Apple, they'll just kind of give him free reign. Right. Like I, like I said, so um, I could just see Marty like Leo, uh, like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas just snorting up all the Coke with this, like, you know, those dollar yeah. bills and being like, yeah, I got this other movie in this thing because million like, it, dollar bills from Apple. Yeah. yeah. And it also goes to show you that even someone like Martin Scorsese, who is one of the most revered and beloved filmmakers, has a hard time you know getting a movie made just because his name is attached to it doesn't necessarily mean that a studio is going to give him a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars to make it he's got to find the money elsewhere and with the streaming services yeah he 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 you know it's 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 looking at the devil in a certain way um he's taking advantage of the streaming services and they're to make those movies yeah. yeah and then I, it's just it's because it, the streamers will definitely give these you know, auteurs or prestige filmmakers, um, a theatrical release if they can. So that's why you're seeing, you know, favorable deals for a lot of these guys at Netflix and Apple. And I'm sure you'll see it in more of these places, but you're seeing more and more people flock to them. And, um, and I think we're seeing, especially during COVID that the, you know, cinema industry is drastically changing or forced to change so much that I think more and more of these guys are open to going to the streamers and eventually the theaters will succumb to, okay, well, we should be playing these streaming movies because, you know, we want stuff to play. And then people have the option of going to a cinema to see it or watching it at home. And I still, I was tweeting with people today. I will say it over and over and over again. I really do think that we're about to enter the age of the two to four week theatrical window soon, sooner rather than later. Um, and it's going to be roadshow roadshow style showings of movies, and then they're going to immediately be on demand. And that's what cinema is going to be now at at the movie theaters. I just don't, I don't even see the need. Like box office receipts usually go down after two or three weeks anyway. That like I, I don't know. At that point, I think it's favorable for everyone. And then you start rotating through stuff quicker, and more and more of these studios have more movies coming out, and it gets overcrowded anyway. That like two week theatrical windows to four weeks at the most roadshow style movies, make them big events. Uh, a lot of the mid tier stuff will enforce mid to low, you know, indie stuff will get bumped to streaming or indie theaters, which I still think will thrive during a lot of this. Um, and that's just kind of how I envision it. And I just, um, I think that universal deal was the first step of that at, with AMC. And I mean, we, grilled sarah about that on the latest episode of conversations which obviously she was just like i i don't know it's different in the u.s and canada so that's something that you have to ask ellis jacob about and he says that you know it's different in the u.s and canada so i just think everything's going to change and you're going to see more and more people jump to streamers and then we're going to get more and more of these movies available in cinemas because all of these deals are going to change and you're going to have people just clamoring for content in cinema but also at home so uh marty going there is is i would have never guessed it five years ago but um here we are i just want i just want to picture martin scorsese just rolling in 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 a, yeah. apples. a bed of money <laughs> a bed of apples um 
I think that's going to wrap up this episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, a little bit of a different one. We kind of skipped some segments and just kind of... I, I like the free-flowing of today's episode, though. It was fun. I had to run yeah. out and pick up my weed sodas. Uh, shout out to Seth Rogen's houseplant brand. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a it was a fun episode, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll try to, you know, for the next one, you know, bring back some of the the regular categories that we normally talk about with uh uh you know staying at home and things like that but <laughs> we felt like we should get an episode out after the DC fandom thing and also just kind of catch up on some news that we missed in the last episode and it's just been fun because again like the 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 episodes that we call it like the you know we're just winging it um it, it's it's a little more off the cuff and and you get to experience it in real time and and you know having Matt go <laughs> and get his box of weed um is <laughs> is one of those little uh, kind of little flourishes that you uh would otherwise maybe not get and 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 it kind of gives you a little insight into the lives of uh of Matt and Eric Will I go enjoy one right now or two or three? We'll see. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, like we mentioned throughout this episode, we have a couple other podcasts that we would love for you guys to go check out. Um, if you want to see what we think of the newest films being released in theaters again, as well as on streaming services, you guys can head over to Untitled Movie Reviews, where this week we will be reviewing Christopher Nolan's Tenant as well as The New Mutants, which is actually coming out. I cannot believe it. Um, we also have reviews up right now for um, the one and only Ivan, uh, Unhinged, Project Power, American Pickle, uh, and more. So head over to that channel, Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, if you want to hear those long conversations, Eric and I mentioned, with Peter Kaplowski and Sarah Van Lang, um, that's over on Untitled Movie Conversations. Eric and I are very proud of that show. Um, just launched it. Uh, there'll be between 15 minutes and an hour um, conversations with, you know, special guests throughout the industry, whether they're, you know, prominent in a film festival or at, or at Canada's biggest cinema chain, or maybe they will be an actor, a director, a, a film critic friend of ours, who knows who will show up on that show. So uh, keep an eye out on that channel. We're going to try to do it regularly, um, but we're really just going to do an episode when we have a cool guest and we're going to book people in accordingly. And we have a lot of people who are interested, um, but, you know, Eric and I are only two guys. And, and as much as I love, podcasting and doing this um we do need to leave time to do some other stuff in our lives even though there's not a ton of stuff going on right now so um so uh, head over to conversations for uh for that and then uh, my appearance on kind of funny over on screencast so you can get that at youtube.com slash kind of funny or just search for kind of funny screencast on your podcast service of choice i was on the most recent episode which was their dc fandom uh, preview show, but we also review things like a silent voice and uh, about time. Um, I think that's it. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm usually bumming around Letterboxd and Instagram. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Delusions. Delusions. Vengeance. Delusions.